Welcome, everybody, to our Yellow Sofa today. We want to talk to you about a song we used to sing years ago, a worship song. Maybe I think people still sing it. It was called I Will Change Your Name, and you might remember it. God takes a person who has put labels on themselves or had labels put on by other people of very negative qualities, the way they identify themselves. And he, when we submit ourselves to God and to His love and into His will, that He can literally turn our name into something different. It can be something positive. It can be a, a name that reflects His glory through our lives. And you know, there's a biblical precedent for this. Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Jacob became Israel. And Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. So there's a holy precedent for it. But let's talk about something that happened to us. Colleen, do you remember a a pastoral care ministries conference where we were on the team several years ago in Virginia? Oh, absolutely. It it was quite remarkable. We used to travel with Leanne Payne, remember the woman who introduced us to the presence of God and His holiness and His miracles? God had a way of responding to her invitations in her conferences like very few people that I've ever heard. We would go for a five-day conference, and it was pretty good size in a large church. You get to know the people who are attending, the participants, after five days. You interact with them. You hear their stories. And when you're on the team, a lot of it is just kind of standing around, being available until they're certain times specified to go up and pray with people. And the next to the last day, Leanne did something I don't think she'd ever done before. I can't remember she ever did it again. She talked about what grief does in the human soul when it's not released appropriately to God. And she said there are some people here that she just felt like God was saying have never learned to grieve in a holy, healthy way. Some of them felt like they weren't supposed to. Maybe it wasn't manly or too emotional. Some people had grief stored up that they needed to get out. So she gave us all permission to grieve in a holy way and let the grief go into God's heart and then let Him replace it. I think many people associate grief with resentment or bitterness rather than a natural response to losing someone or something that you love and has been very important to you. Well, it was kind of a powerful time. I mean, the presence of God was just so palpable there. And people were sitting in their seats. The participants were. They were just quiet. There wasn't music playing or anything. And some of us on the team were standing near the back of the church. One of the women standing next to me was my dear friend, Patsy Casey. We'd served on many of Leanne's teams before and was sort of familiar with how she wanted us to participate with the people. And we were looking at one particular woman whom we'd gotten to know during this conference, and she would sort of tear up, but her shoulders would shake like she was sort of crying. And then she would sort of laugh, and then she'd cry again, and then she'd laugh. And Patsy and I looked at each other and whispered, what do you think's going on? Now, this woman was a remarkable person. Her name was Rev Jane, and she had 
the most amazing street ministry among the homeless in downtown Washington, D.C. It was just something I can't imagine being called to do that. But she was so well-equipped, so compassionate, and so no-nonsense. And for her to have this unusual reaction, Patsy and I were both surprised. And now, Conley, you weren't back there. You didn't see that. I think you were in the front of the room. So Conley was kind of oblivious to all this going on at the time. But Patsy came over to me, and she whispered, she said, I'll bet she's grieving over the loss of a pet. I'll bet that's what it is. And she's sort of embarrassed that she's grieving. And we just kind of, you know, let her be. Well, it got a little more and more emotional and vocal with the crying, the deep sobbing, and then almost hysterical laughter. So Patsy and I decided we'd go up and we got on either side of her, put our hand on her shoulder, and we said, Jane, is there anything we can pray with you about? What's going on? And she just sobbed and she said, oh, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. And we both said, oh, it's not stupid. It, it's, is, it, is it a pet or something like that, that, that that you're grieving over the loss? And she said, no, no, it's, it's one of the homeless people. He died about a year ago. And we said, oh, that's so sweet. Well, let's, let's just, let's just say, say his name and, and just give him to the Lord and thank God for his life. And she said, I don't know his name. The only thing I ever knew was his name was Stinky. And we, Patsy and I kind of looked at each other and we said, well, did you get to go to his funeral? No, no. She said, you just don't understand. And so we said, why are you so upset about this? And she said, because he died a year ago and he's in the trunk of my car. Well, at that, Patsy and I both said, Jane, let's go to the back out in the foyer where we can talk and not bother other people. So we we, we got out there and here's this remarkable story. She talks about how the stinky was a little bitty guy, kind of a scrawny little guy, and he didn't take care of himself. And he was sort of looked down upon by the other homeless people. They didn't like him. And they had public showers where they could go periodically, and he would never go because he didn't like being bullied. And as a result, he just smelled horrible. And that's how he got the name Stinky. That's what everybody called him. That's all they knew was Stinky. So one day she got a call from the authorities that said that Stinky had died and that they couldn't find any next of kin and he had been cremated and they had his ashes in some office somewhere and they told her as the person who ministered to the homeless, she was the only person they knew to call. Would you like to come and receive his ashes? And she said, well, yes, of course I will. So she goes down to this office building in D.C. And in a Ziploc bag inside a manila envelope, they hand her the ashes of Stinky. And she said she had no idea what to do with them. She didn't really have a church building or a cemetery or anything available. So she put them in the trunk of her car behind the tire well. And she said she got busy and she forgot about it until that moment in that meeting 
a year later, and we're asking God to bring up any suppressed grief. And all this emotion comes out toward this homeless man that she said she really liked. So that was the story, which was interesting. But then it got more interesting when she started sobbing again, and she said, He deserved to have a funeral, a real funeral. This man was a child of God, even if nobody liked him and didn't even know his name. And she said, but I don't have any idea how to do that. And then I did something I probably shouldn't have done without talking to my husband first. But I just blurted out, well, Conley will do the funeral. He's he's done lots of funerals. (laughs) You pastors listening to the podcast probably have had your wives do similar things. I've, I've been volunteered for baptisms, weddings, and, and now a funeral. Well, he did. we did go talk to Conley, and he heard the story, and he said he'd be glad to do it. So we felt like it would be appropriate to ask the pastor of this church for his permission because we would like to bury the remains of Stinky in the back lawn behind the church. So Conley went up to the pastor and told him what the situation was. It was kind of a strange thing to try to explain, but the pastor had a, a strange reaction. He, it was like he wasn't understanding what I was saying. It was almost like he didn't want to have heard what I told him. And after I repeated it about the third time, I finally got the idea he didn't want to be Someone who could say, oh, yes, he got my permission. So we just decided we'd do it anyway. Evidently, there was some kind of legality about putting human remains on the property. I don't know what it was, but we decided we'd do it. And there was this couple with Rev. Jane who were also street workers ministering to the homeless. And let me try to paint a picture of them because they were a fascinating-looking couple, The man—this was a married couple—the man was one of the biggest black men I have ever seen. He he was muscular. He was huge. And his lovely wife. But they were both dressed like street people. You would have expected them to be panhandling on the street when you saw them. And we explained to them they knew who Stinky was. They had known him. And we said, we're going to do a funeral tomorrow, and we're going to dig a little grave— outside in the back, and we'll have a service to honor Stinky and celebrate his life. Well, then it snowed that night. It got really cold, and it snowed. And the next morning, Rev. Jane and the couple with her came dressed in their finest for a funeral, and I wish you could have seen them. She had on a flowing black silk dress This man had on a a black suit, a starched white shirt, a black tie, and his polished shoes, and he walked in carrying a shovel over his shoulder. He was ready to dig a grave and honor his street brother, Stinky. And his wife was all dressed up as well. At the end of the conference that afternoon, All of the women on the team were presented a bouquet of red roses each. And because we're going to be flying home the next day, we didn't have anything to do with them. So we asked if they would give us those roses that we could use 
at this little funeral for for Stinky. So here's who gathered in the back of the churchyard after the conference was over. There was Conley, and he had on his priestly stole. He was ready to do a service. We had Patsy Casey and Rev Jane and the couple, her friends of hers, and Conley said, okay, here's kind of what we're going to do. Everybody gather around, and this man with his shovel starts digging a shallow grave. And Conley said, oh, I did want to read a scripture. Who has the Bible? We looked around like, well, we didn't bring any with us. And I said, okay, I'll go get one. I'll, I'll hurry while he finishes digging the grave. So I ran back up to the church, and there was a man I did not know standing outside like he was waiting for a ride or something, but he was holding a big Bible. And I said, sir, are you in a big hurry? And he says, no, not really. And I said, could you come with me just a minute? I want you to read something out of your Bible if you don't mind. And he said, okay. So he follows me back. So now we have this man we don't know standing around the circle too. And Conley starts the burial service. One thing about being an Anglican or if a Roman Catholic or other church that traditionally uses a uh, liturgy in your worship services is you've always got a uh, service right there in your hands. And in the service, it doesn't make any difference if you're in a cathedral, if you're out there in the back of a churchyard in a snowstorm. It has prayers and scriptures that are appropriate for the situation. And, you know, God doesn't care whether you're in the church or out in the backyard. He shows up whenever you invite him as a believer to come and join you. If you all watched the um, funeral of Queen Elizabeth, the same liturgy that they used at her service was the same one we used for Stinky. And we were out there, and everybody was intent on honoring Stinky. And it was amazing how you could sense the presence of God as we went through the service, as we said the prayers, and as we were going to read the scriptures. Well, Patsy and I took the red roses and pulled off the petals and lined this shallow grave that had been dug with red rose petals. And the contrast of the snow coming down, the white-covered ground, the red, and Conley said, I think before we place his ashes in there, Patsy, why don't you sing a song for us? Now, Patsy is a trained operatic singer, and she just closed her eyes, and in this deep voice, she belts out Ave Maria. And it was, can you just picture this? The snow coming down, quiet, before a grave, and this Tremendous voice just echoing around us of Ave Maria. And Conley did the committal and said, Rev. Jane, would you like to present the ashes? She takes this um, manila envelope, and she looks at it and goes, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And we're thinking, what happened? And she said, I've never seen this. The type's so little. It has his name on it. It says, the remains of James Grigsby with the date. She said, I never knew he had a name. He wasn't stinky. He was James Grigsby. So Conley does the committal of the ashes to honor the life of James Grigsby. And he sprinkled the ashes on top of these rose petals. 
And then he turns to the man there with the Bible. Right, the one that Signa had kind of uh, kidnapped out of, out of the church and said, would, it's your Bible. Would you read the this passage from Romans 8, please? Well, I looked over at the man and I realized he's like a deer in the headlights. He He is shaking all over. There are tears coming down his face. I didn't think he could read it. He found Romans 8, and it's that scripture about what can separate us from the love of Christ? Who could ever separate us? He's One of the things, it's like, it can't be death or life or angels or rulers or things to come or powers or nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Well, he stumbled and got it read, and it was so emotional, and the presence of God was so strong. We were all had tears in our eyes. And this homeless minister starts to shovel dirt back on top of the little shallow grave. And as he did it, the snow covered over it. I mean, it was just an amazing opportunity. And we just were all so thankful we'd gotten to participate in this. So the next morning, before we flew home, we went to the church service at this church. And As soon as we walked up to the door, a woman I did not know ran up to me and she said, I have got to tell you the most amazing miracle. You're not going to believe this. She said, you know that man you got to read the scripture at that funeral yesterday? That was my husband. And I said, oh, well, he seemed real moved by it. I I hope he's okay. He seemed kind of upset. She says, no, no, you don't understand. He has had an inordinate fear of death and dying because of a traumatic incident that happened when he was young. And it's been so pronounced in his life that when his father died, he would not look at the body. He would not go to his father's funeral. He's been terrified. He has nightmares about death. And when he got out there, not knowing what he was going to do or why you wanted him to read a Bible scripture, he realized he was at a funeral, and he thought he was going to die. His heart was pounding, and God spoke to him. He said the presence of God was so strong. And when he read, not even death can separate us from the love of God, something clicked in him, and he knew it. He knew it. She said, God changed him. And we realize God changed Stinky's name to James Grigsby, child of God. I don't know what the name is God gave the man with the Bible, but God certainly changed his name. God is not limited by what, where we are, the circumstances. When he shows up, things happen. Maybe you need God to change your name this week. Ask him. Ask him. What is the name I need to give up? What is the name you want to place on me? In our years of ministry, we are amazed to realize the names that adults will put on children because of their appearance or their behavior or whatever. And the child will assume the personality oftentimes that is more befitting that name than the name they were given by their parents. But God is in the business of calling forth the real person inside us that He knows us to be and that person to whom He is calling us. 
Come Holy Spirit, come and name each of us with the name you created us to bear. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yellow Sofa, Modern Day Miracles. To find out more about the Badish Baz ministry and to connect with them, visit www.signabadishbah.com. The link for that is in the show notes. Special thanks to Daniel Matthews of Rockwell and John Rhodes of Rhodes Recording for producing this podcast. You can learn more about them by visiting their links in the show notes. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, consider leaving a review and sharing it with a friend. It truly helps.